2: Welcome to a brand new episode of Chiefs Wire Podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, in honor of National Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, former NFL player Devon Still spoke with me about parts of his career as well as all the work he's doing after football with his wife in regards to this issue. Also, we check in on the weekly Chiefs press conference and see what's going on with the team. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire managing editor Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, anything that stood out to you from Sunday's win against Washington?
0: I think the only thing that that really stood out um, was that the defense played very well, and uh, it wasn't exactly ideal circumstances for them, right? Uh, to start, they didn't have Chris Jones or Charvarius Ward. Uh, they haven't had them for a couple weeks now, but, I, I mean, that's a pretty big loss to be without one of your best defensive players in Chris Jones, starting cornerback in Charvarius Ward. Uh, but then it, if you told me before the game that the Chiefs would lose their defensive signal caller in Anthony Hitchens, uh, lose him to injury, and then play Ben Neiman at Mike for most of the game, without knowing anything else about the game, I probably would have guessed that this game would have been a disaster on defense. Uh, but it wasn't right uh in fact, the the defense played their best half of football this season without Jones, Ward and Hitchens on the field. So uh, I think that is really impressive. I think it speaks to kind of the youth movement that the Chiefs have going on on the defensive side of the ball and uh, you saw that with Juan Thornhill coming in and playing uh, in lieu of Dan Sorensen and uh, just some of the other younger guys that they're they're bringing up and playing. Nick Bolton played a lot of snaps. Uh, they, they got some young guys uh, on the defensive line that are getting some work in. And uh, like people try to discount that that this win and this game came against the, the Washington football team. This performance came against the Washington football team. That they're not, quote unquote, that good. But like this is a team that, that before they ran into Kansas City, they were averaging 25 points per game. And uh, the Chiefs' defense held them under 15 points. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, this uh, this defensive performance, I mean, I think it was big. And they've got huge tests coming up this week uh, with, with Derrick Henry and the rest of the Titans' offense. Uh, but if they can carry over some of what they were able to accomplish against Washington, I, I, I think that it's only going to be going up for, for from here for the defense. What message does it send to the team to have Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and Tyron Matthew playing through obvious pain? I mean, I think it speaks to their their leadership, uh, obviously their toughness and, and their want to. But at the same time, it's it's really kind of a slippery slope, right? Uh, you don't want these guys out there risking further injury, uh, or, or you know potentially out there playing through something that's serious. And uh, it could, you know, a situation like that it could mean that they end up out longer than necessary, uh, potentially on the other end of it. So I guess I'm a little conflicted on the whole thing. But I mean, I do trust the Chiefs' athletic training staff. I'm sure that they, you know, obviously, you know, tended to to Hill, Kelsey, and Matthew um, on on the sidelines and determined that they were okay to go back in there. Uh, at, At the same time, I'm glad that. Hill, Kelsey, and Matthew were able to play through whatever ailments they had, uh, because I don't think, you know, without them on the field, I don't know that they win that game <laughs> last week, uh, especially Hill and Kelsey, uh, and Matt, I mean, all three of them, yeah, they were just, uh, they were fantastic. But, um, I, I mean, hopefully this week they'll be able to p- practice and, and play on Sunday. Uh, I, I, I can't imagine that any of the injuries are, are serious enough that they wouldn't, but, uh, I could see all three of them you know sitting early in the practice week just to uh feel a little bit uh a little bit better
2: how surprised are you at the performance of Daryl Williams in relief of Clyde Edwards Alaire
0: you know not too surprised i I mean we saw what Daryl could do last season against the Cleveland Browns uh, in the playoffs when he really got his first start ever and uh i I think that that you know that was kind of a a, a good intro to what, what Durrell Williams can bring to the table because that's a high-leverage situation, a lot more on the line than, you know, a, a week six start in Washington. But um, I think what was more surprising to me was how the Chiefs used Williams compared to how they've used Edwards-Alaire, right? Like, at the beginning of the season, we expected the Chiefs to run more, like, gap, power, man running schemes. Because, one, Edwards Lair was, like, really good at that stuff in college. And then, two, the new offensive line seems just more geared towards that type of style compared to, like, the zone scheme that they've been running for, you know, however long uh, under Andy Reid. But so then this week, uh, per Pro Football is tracking, the, the Chiefs ran 10 gap plays uh, in the run game, which is the most they've done in a single game this season, I think, beforehand The most they'd run in a single game was seven. I think that was in week three or week four. But, uh, you know, uh, then you have Mahomes, uh, who's actually targeting Williams in the passing game, which, I I mean, that's something that was supposed to be a huge boon to uh, Edwards-Hilaire's game, that he was, you know, such a good pass catcher. But we haven't really seen that since he's been in Kansas City. So, I don't know, it's just weird to me uh, with those two things that, they're they're doing all this stuff with Williams when he's on the field, but they maybe weren't comfortable doing it or as comfortable doing it with uh, edwards Lair when he was on the field. I'm not really sure what uh, is behind that that logic, but I hope I'd like to hope that maybe this was just um, some of the changes that the Chiefs were kind of looking into, being that the offense you know hasn't been doing so great and whatnot, and and they changed some things up this past week. So, so maybe that's something we'll see more of moving forward, even once Edwards Alaire uh, returns.
2: Do you believe Rashad Fenton is on his way to becoming a shutdown corner in the league?
0: Uh, I've always been a big Rashad Fenton fan. Uh, the guy just shows up every day and, and does his job. Like he's had some big games for Kansas City and relief before. I keep. Uh, Thinking back to the Mexico City game, but I mean, even before that, he, he's had some some good performances coming off the bench. And uh, now I think it's gotten to the point where the Chiefs just aren't going to be able to keep him on the bench. I think he's probably one of their best three cornerbacks. And, you know, even when Charverius Ward returns healthy, I think he needs to, to probably stay uh, in there. I don't know if you can call him uh, a shutdown corner yet. I think it's probably a little too early for that. Uh, Fenton doesn't even have 100 coverage snaps on the season yet. But uh, if the Chiefs turn this thing around defensively, he has a chance to be a big part of it. And he's had a lot of, you know, forcing completion so far, a a couple pass breakups, and uh, he also almost had that big interception against the Bills that got called back uh, on an unrelated penalty. But I... I I'd like to think that he's on his way to becoming a shutdown corner. I think, you know, cornerback play is one of those things that's very, like, iffy. I mean, week to week, year to year. I mean, look at LeJarius Sneed, for example. I mean, he his performance last season was, uh, you know, incredible. We thought that, that you know, this year he'd be able to carry it over, and he just hasn't been able to. So, um, I, I think it's good that, that Fenton's performing well. I think he's probably on his way to, let's say, becoming a starting corner in this league. Uh, but I don't, I don't know that that he's quite a, a shutdown cornerback yet.
2: What are your thoughts on losing Jody Fortson for the rest of the season?
0: Yeah, that's just a, a massive, massive bummer. Uh, you can't help but feel for the kid. He worked his his ass off to get this opportunity, and. For the season to end uh, in injury, it's just crushing. And uh, I think the good news is you have no doubt, at least I have no doubt, that that he'll persevere and be back. Uh, it, it just won't be this season. And, uh, you know, with the, the progress, I guess, here in Achilles injuries, uh, I, I think you can expect him back probably for week one next season. But uh, I do think this is going to hurt the offense quite a bit. Uh, I, I don't think there's any way dancing around that. The Chiefs were really starting to figure out how to use Fortson. Um, I mean, he, he had back-to-back weeks with a touchdown grab. Then he had, you know, the huge catch uh, on the first touchdown drive against Washington this past week. So I think they're going to need a guy like like Noah Gray to step up in a big way uh, now that, that he's probably going to be uh, in the lineup and playing a little bit more. Uh, He was solid blocking against Washington, but they need to find a way to get him involved in the passing game too. I mean, really, so far this season, anytime he's been targeted and whatnot, he really hasn't been able to do much. So uh, I'm not sure how they're going to manage to make up for uh, Fortson's size in the red zone. Um, Maybe they'll get Josh Gordon more involved. They're going to miss that. I I don't think they really have someone that has that type of size, that ability to kind of go up and and, – and get the football over a defender the same way Fortson could. So that's going to be something to uh, consider moving forward.
2: Who do you believe is the X-Factor heading into week seven versus Tennessee?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, Chris Jones this week. Uh, The Chiefs have the unfavorable task of slowing down Derrick Henry. And uh, they've done it before, but uh, it's just, I mean, he, he looks pretty unstoppable week in and week out. Definitely, uh, I think in contention for the best running back in the NFL this season. And uh, Jones, he's been sidelined with the wrist injury for the past two weeks. And honestly, uh, the guy's been catching some flack from fans. Uh, They don't know the extent of his injury. We don't know the extent of his injury. But when uh, they see guys like Joe Thune playing through a a broken hand, uh, the frustration, it comes out. So, uh, I, I think Jones is going to channel some of his own frustration from being sidelined from the position switch, not really working out for him. Um, and I expect given how uh, Mike Dana is playing, I, I don't think we're going to see Jones when he comes back playing edge. I think they're going to move him back inside, uh, play him at defensive tackle more often at his old spot. But I mean, here's the thing with that too, though, you know, he, he slimmed down a little bit so he could play edge uh, more frequently so it'll be interesting to see if he's still quite as effective inside, especially uh, you know when when the run game is going to be coming right at him. I, I think he'll be fine, but uh, we'll just see there. Uh, you know he played a defensive tackle last season, I believe, at like three hundred fifteen pounds, and now he's down to like you know two ninety. So that'll be uh, that'll be some interesting stuff to watch.
2: And as always, are there any particular stories from Chiefs wire you like to highlight from the past week?
0: Yeah, as always, we've got uh, plenty of cool stuff on the website this week. Um, some stuff, obviously, recapping the uh, Week 6 win in Washington. And then we'll have plenty of preview content coming out for the Titans game soon enough here. And, uh, you know, a few things on the site lately. Uh, we've got a look at the, the salary cap situation for the Chiefs so far. Uh, they don't have a lot of cap space right now, only uh, just under $1.7 and, uh, you know, you, you hear a lot of the, the NFL's trade deadlines coming up uh, November 2nd. And you hear a lot of names thrown out in trade situations. Uh, former Chiefs defensive end, Emmanuel Hogbug, who's over at the Dolphins right now. Jaguars defensive end, Josh Allen. Um, basically, in that article, I explain why those aren't, aren't options for Kansas City given their current salary cap situation. They do have, you know, ways that they can kind of, you know, um, address the salary cap, but they've been entirely unwilling to uh, explore those so far. So I, I <laughs> there's Teddy for you weighing in. I don't expect, um, I, I, I don't expect them to make a big trade, um, and you know we'll just we'll just see where how it goes from there. Uh, some other things up on the site now include a look at. Uh, report that there's mutual interest between the uh, Chiefs and free agent defensive end Whitney Merciless. Uh, Also, uh, an explainer on Kyle Long now being eligible to return from the reserve PUP list uh, and begin practicing. So, look, we'll see if he's ready to come back. Uh, Tibial plateau uh, fractures, uh, they're pretty tough for the big guys to come back from quickly. So, uh, we'll just see there. I'm not really... I haven't my, my expectations are low on that one we'll we'll just see where he's at but uh yeah thanks so much for for joining us uh, on the podcast today folks we appreciate you tuning in and reading the website and uh, it's about time that i say go chiefs
3: What the interception? Uh, something I'll probably have never be <laughs> seen or do again. But, I mean, it's always good to get one in and it make sports it in the top ten. <laughs> yeah. Can you explain kind of how you actually pulled it in. Uh, I seen it coming. I knew he was uh, throwing it to the – we always was talking about the running back, his check down. So when I seen it coming, I really was trying to, like, swipe it down, but he didn't put that much heat on the ball. So when mm-hmm. I hit it, I realized, like, I really had it. I just put it on his head, <laughs> and once I got two hands on it, I wasn't letting it go.
0: First pick in your career? Yes,
3: sir. First pick in my career.
0: When you, when you break
2: down the film of Derrick Henry, and you know what he's capable of doing after contact, what is, what's the mindset coming into a game when you know you're facing a, a powerful running back like that? I mean, that?
3: Uh, all 11 guys to the ball, of course, and uh, just making sure he... Up front, we don't let him get to the second level. Because, I mean, when you watch him as he builds up speed, that's when you really get dangerous at that second level. So coming in and trying to stop him at the line of scrimmage and hold him there. And, uh, you know, he's a good player, so good players going to make good plays. But that's what we're trying to do, just set the line of scrimmage up front and make sure he don't get to that second level. Would
2: you say that he would, he's probably the, the, the toughest running back
3: that you guys have faced so far this year? I mean, uh, I give Nick Chubb his credit. He was a tough running back. Uh, and Kareem Hunt. So, but as far as like uh, attributes, he's probably one of the toughest. It's a good challenge for us. Is there a
0: shift in, in like tackling strategy when it comes to a player like this, or is it just more rallying with the I mean, uh,
3: player? we we always say kill the engine. Uh, he's a big guy, so you know you gotta take his legs out. That's how you kill the engine on him and all eleven hats to the
4: ball. So, Tershawn, when uh, Tyron he was kind of upset there at the end of the first half in the game the other day, what were you thinking at that point?
3: I mean, uh, you know, that's our leader, so he gonna voice his opinions and, you know, we all gonna go behind him. We ain't gonna check out on him and he didn't check out on us, so, you know, we were good. Have you seen that kind of thing from him before? Uh, Yeah, he's a very emotional player. He loves what he do, you know. He love the game and he put his work in for it, so that's all it is. You know, every player voice things differently.
1: So what was he saying?
3: Oh, I didn't know what he was saying. <laughs> you know, his voice kind of high. <laughs> you know, after you guys gave up that, touch, that long touchdown
4: pass, you guys obviously shut them out. And they didn't even have a 100 yards in the second half. Right. Is there a coincidence there between I mean, them uh,
3: going off and, and you guys playing better? I think uh, halftime adjustments. You know, everybody took took in what was going on, and we, the coaches fixed things, and we got better throughout the half. He said those game that you guys love it when he goes crazy. Yeah, you know, we do love it, you know. It's just who he is. Like, you, when you see him in the locker room, see how his approach to the game, you know he loves what he's doing. The first game this year where I believe everybody on the defensive line might play. Right. Um, what would that
2: mean for the potential of this defensive line when you guys are all available and playing well? What
3: could be sort of the impact that has? I mean, it's something that we always wanted, so we could go in and uh, – instead of missing people, you know you get to see how everybody play with each other and see uh you know how we can stop this run and really put everything together with everybody being out there
0: Turkey you, you mentioned the sports center top ten I imagine you grew up with it just could you could elaborate what well, what kind of phenomenon is it like seeing yourself kind of make make that
3: um, uh, i favorite? mean
0: yeah
3: it's like you always dreamed about it so. When I heard about it, I didn't really see it because, of course, we was on a plane. It was just my family was calling me and telling me. So I, I had to go look it up. <laughs> and <laughs> When I looked it up, it was just just crazy seeing your name up there like, and your jersey number. Like it's just something you can you always imagine. What does that mean for you, though? Because, I mean, you went to a smaller school. You've had to work really hard to get here. Coach Reed says you're someone who always goes 100 miles per hour during practice. So what does that say about your work ethic? I mean, it was four quarter so I feel like it, it shows I'm a finisher. You know, I finished the game and uh, just showing that it is never done. You know, I call game.
2: <laughs> Hey game. It looks like you've been playing a, a little bit
0: more versatility this year and a little bit more on the outside than last year. Has that been just, you know, really necessitated by the injuries or is that something that Coach Daly is trying to get you to do? I mean more? they
3: say the more you can do uh, the better. So, I mean, them throwing me out there is a, something I just see showing my versatility and another way for me to make plays and help this defense. So, definitely something I feel like uh, more and more I show I can do it, we can stick with it.
0: Were pretty comfortable playing out there
3: coming in? I mean, yeah, that's what I did in college. <laughs> I ain't with to three-tech to NFL. So, definitely feel comfortable.
0: Uh,
2: Tershawn, you guys are so good defensively on Sunday. How good did it feel to finish it with like an exclamation point with your takeaway?
3: Uh, I think that was the best thing. Uh, just I never ran to the touchdown with everybody following me, so I, I think it was just cool to do it, and uh, everybody was showing me love on the sideline. So I'm always happy when that could happen.
0: Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.
2: Right, Devin, Asha, nice to meet you both. You nice too. to meet you as well. I right, um, just want to say thank you for taking the time to speak with us. And uh, I just want to jump right into it. Uh, what inspired you both to get involved with Clear Blue's uh, Conceiving Hood program?
4: So um, we first started our TTC journey about three years ago. And we were having some struggles with just receiving the results that we wanted. We kept receiving uh, negative, po- negative te- pregnancy result tests our results for our pregnancy test and so we had reached out our clear blue actually reached out to us and provided a resource for us with the clear blue ovulation test system to help us you know track will help me track my fertility and for us to get the results that we were looking for when conceiving so that is what led us to working with Clearblue and sharing our story yeah and then last
1: year um we tried to expand our blended family even more Um, And we ended up experiencing an embryonic pregnancy And we had a miscarriage And me and my wife We shared that story on our podcast And Clear Blue got wind of it They reached out to us And they let us know that they they were Having this panel where they wanted to create a safe space For people to really be outspoken about some of the struggles that you experienced with your TTC journey. Um, and that's how we rekindled that partnership. And we, you know, we hopped on the offer because these are things that need to be talked about. It needs to be normalized because a lot of people experience shame as they go through this type of journey.
2: I definitely understand. And these are tough conversations to have. Um, what gives you guys like the courage to just speak out and um, and just tell your own story because, uh, like I said, this is something that people don't like to bring up. Um, what gives you that extra courage to do that? Because it's something that you've been so good with over the past couple years. Yeah. Realizing
1: that this platform comes with responsibilities. That when you're given this platform, is just not about you. That you have to be able to use your platform to do some type of good in this world. And just seeing the impact that we were able to have as a family um, when we went public cancer it just let us know um, how much this is needed, how much this transparency is needed in this world. So we decided to do the same thing with our TTC journey and, you know, trying to be a life for other people. They actually became a life for us because we realized we weren't the other, only families who were facing these type of struggles. So to be able to partner with brands like this who really align with our mission and vision in life, it was a no
2: brainer. Now, I have to um, follow up, obviously, we all follow Leah's uh, journey and everything that you guys were uh, discussing during that time. How is she doing? Is uh, Any uh, updates?
1: Yeah, so this past March, she turned uh, six years cancer-free. So she's doing good, um, just enjoying her life, you know, being a regular kid, not having to worry about being in and out of the hospital has truly been a blessing. Like I said, we don't take any of this for granted because we know how things can change in the blank of an eye. So we really just, you know, enjoy the moments that we all have together. Definitely understand. That is great to hear.
2: And um, you guys both do a podcast together. Uh, called the uh, Real Relationships uh, Podcast. Can you uh, actually give us a a little insight on that?
4: So we actually started uh, the relationship Podcast because when we looked on social media, it was a lot of influencers sharing their relationship, but they were sharing the good side of the relationship. And we all know that in marriage and relationships, you have your ups and downs. So we really just wanted to bring the real back to relationships by sharing our struggles that we have in our marriage and how we overcome adversity in our marriage.
2: Okay, and and I have to um, ask because, uh, Devin, you played a number of years in the NFL. Um, We cover the Chiefs primarily on this part in Chiefs Wire for USA Today. But I I do want to ask because next week is the NFL draft, and um, you have experience, obviously, in the 2012 draft. Can you just give us, like, a a quick reflection on what you had to go through during that process?
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of preparation that goes into this. Um, It starts from when you first start playing football, learning the game. You know, being able to dream, a dream that's so big and really believe that you have the capabilities um, in order to make that dream come true. Um, But obviously, once you graduate or you leave college, it becomes real. You know, just putting in the work for the senior bowl, if you get invited to that, um, putting in the work to go to the the combine, if you get invited to that, and then leading up to the day where you finally find out if you're going to hear your name in the draft, if you're going to called um as a free agent it's like a lot of anxiety happens during this moment but i like to tell all the young players it's just enjoy the experience like whether your, your name gets called on the first day the second day the third day whether your name never gets called and you get invited to the training camp if you have an opportunity to sign with a team it's a blessing and the goal is not just to make it to the nfl but it's to have an impact in the nfl so don't allow the anxiety to still away from this uh still this moment away from you realize that, that this has always been a dream of yours since you were a kid and just accept it for what it is
2: i definitely hear that and um before we let you go i, I just want to ask also because like i said you guys talk about relationships and things that people have to go through in your podcast um we have a, a new father in terms of patrick mahomes with the kansas city chiefs is there any advice that uh you guys would give to to him and his fiance in regards to just be you know having a newborn and and uh, living the football life. Yeah, so the the biggest game
1: you can win in life is being the family man. You know, making sure that you're there for your family. You put the same amount of effort, if not more, into being the leader in your household that you are on the football field, and things would take care of itself. As I'm sure he knows, it gives you that added motivation, knowing that you're not just playing for yourself anymore. Um, You're not just living life for you anymore. But there's a little person looking up to you to set the example. Whether he has a daughter or a son, is the first example of what a man is. And we have to make sure that we set the best example possible for our kids um, when we become fathers. So I'm sure he already knows that because he leads. he's a great leader. He knows how to lead that team. He led them to multiple Super Bowls. So I'm sure he knows uh, a lot about being a father and a leader in this household.
2: Devin, I should thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. I want to take a moment to thank my guests, Devon and Asha Still, for stopping by and sharing their story with us. Also, a reminder, if you have any thoughts or anything that you want to hear on our podcast, make sure to hit us up on Twitter at the TheChief'sWire. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next week.